Welcome back to the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. Stacy and Pete here, and we are enjoying getting into these Halloween episodes. Deep into this spooky season. And speaking of... What's your favorite scary movie? So scary. Oh, what a voice. <laughs> so you go first. Ooh, all right. So I think we're breaking this down. We're going to do a few nostalgic ones and some modern ones. Yes. So my nostalgic horror movies, I can't have a list without The Exorcist on it. <laughs> Even though it scares the crap out of you. Yes. Like it is hands down the most impactful, scary movie of my life, followed closely by Carrie. Both of these I saw at a very young age and they really, really terrified me. <laughs> Understandably. And my last one is Fright Night. <laughs> now, that is a super cheesy movie now, but that movie scared the bejesus out of me when I watched it back in the day. I saw that at the drive-in and the vampires in that were terrifying at that age. I agree. That's one that I didn't watch until I think last year. We sat down and I watched it for the first time and I can see how that could be traumatizing as a child. Yeah, it was like I hearken it to thriller, like that kind of feel where mm -hmm. the creature effects in it were terrifying or yeah. just so scary. Yeah. Okay. My nostalgic ones, I went with kind of classics, I guess. I went with Halloween. I mean, to me, that one, if we put it on, it feels like October. Yeah. And scary October. Right. And not like the October like we're experiencing right now as we're recording this. It's October 3rd where it looks like fall outside. The leaves are falling and they're starting to change a little bit and it's kind of gloomy and windy. But you walk outside and it's like 75 degrees or 80. Yeah, it is not a crisp fall day. It's not. So I'm I'm going to need that cold, crisp air to come on down here to Tennessee. Yeah. Like we need cold breezes that are blowing the leaves and like you got to have a sweatshirt on. That's it. Hoodie weather. I want to be able to snuggle up and yeah. sit by the fire pit outside. Well, listen, I think this movie really captures that. It feels chilly out. Yes. So along with that, A Nightmare on Elm Street terrified me more than any of them terrified me into adulthood. I'm only now at a, you know, in the past couple of years in a place that I can handle Freddy and not have nightmares. I feel like you still have Freddy nightmares. Not really. No? Mm -mm. I thought he was just getting you within the past three months. If he was, I told him to go, you know. Go do one, Freddy. <laughs> I told him to get lost. Like, I just <laughs> don't. He doesn't scare me anymore. Oh, nice. Not in my dreams, you know, like I think I'm able now to just be like, you're a perv. Get out of here. Look at you maturing right in front of our very eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then my last one is from the 90s and it's the one we're covering today. It is Scream. Just I don't even want to get into it because we're about to. We're so. about to dive right in. Tell me the ones that are more modern that you love. So on my more modern list, I have The Babadook. Yeah, that's a good one. That is so good. It's such a well done movie. And I mean, it is really scary. Truly. Next on my list, Sinister. That first Sinister was, I wouldn't call it a work of art, but it was really, really well done. It was class. It definitely had some moments that stick with you. Yeah. That's an impactful movie villain, at least for that first one. I don't know that the later Sinisters really stayed on the same track, but that first one was gold. My last one, I think this is a modern one, 
but it's 2008, so I wasn't sure if it was a nostalgic one. It's one that we would have passed for nostalgia if you couldn't think of any other nostalgia ones because it is under 2010. But it's The Strangers. Oh, that one just gives me chills. Just I see the the cover art for the DVD, yeah. you know, and I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a for real scary one. Like it could happen. Yeah. And that's got the dude from uh, Felicity in it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's Scott Speedman and Liv Tyler, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot he did that. <laughs> You're just now recognizing yes. old Ben Covington. Old Ben. <laughs> okay, my more modern ones. We have The Conjuring, just a great paranormal flick based on a true story. I feel like that one really rejuvenated horror. There's like a good phase in like the 2000 to 2010 time slot, but then The Conjuring really brought it. Yeah, and then every other movie in that franchise that came after it. Mm -hmm. Some better than others, but we're here for all of them. Yeah, we've watched them all. Yep, now I just want to go. <laughs> okay, my next one. This is one that I don't know why it stands out to me so much. If anybody ever asks me for recommendations, it's one of the first ones I mention. It's The Houses October Built. And this is following a crew of people that are visiting extreme haunts that are really extreme. And just in the past couple of years, like you all know, if you listen to our podcast, I'm not a fan of going to haunted houses, but I am fascinated by them. And so just in the past couple of years, we've been watching like documentaries about people that have haunted houses and things like that. And I love that. And so then for people to make movies about it. Yeah, I don't know. They're just really good. Yeah. And we like tour through the whole genre. Yes. Like there's nothing really left for us to watch that is worth watching. That's considered found footage, right? Y yeah. It's it's like found footage, but it's like found footage of extreme haunts. Right. <laughs> it's like very specific. Yes. Or just haunted houses, like yeah. you said. The second one is good too. And then Hell House, LLC, all those. Uh, and then one that just came out last year called Haunt. Haunt. Yeah. Well, that was 2019. Oh, I, I missed a year. <laughs> I think we all did. Yeah. And then the last one that I wrote down was Get Out. What a great movie. So impactful, so surprising, and just well acted and well written and all of it. I loved it so much. Yeah, it like came out of nowhere and was incredible. That's excellent. If you haven't seen that, get out and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. As we said before. We are talking about Scream. We originally were only going to cover Scream, mm -hmm. but then we started watching it and just wanted to roll right into the second one. Right. And they came out like right after one another. They're like Irish twin movies. <laughs> yeah, 96 and 97. Yeah. I didn't realize they were so close together. They were also both directed by the legendary Wes Craven, mm. who, as everyone knows, gave us A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Hills Have Eyes, all of these movies, and then some. He passed away in 2015. So oh, yeah. it's sad to know that he won't be a part of the new Scream that they're putting out in 2022. That's coming out in January, right? Yeah. Yeah. And written by Kevin Williamson, who gave us Dawson's Creek, Vampire Diaries, your faves. Um, I know <laughs> what you did last summer. It's crazy how involved in media he is. 
all these shows that he's done, I had no idea until we watched a documentary on Scream. And then you, you were like, oh, yeah, this is a guy that does Dawson's Creek. I was like, what? Yeah. That's crazy. He's a great writer. And he definitely writes his teenagers. They compared him to John Hughes yeah. of the 90s, you know, making his teenagers very verbose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they speak in a way that like no teenager that I know speaks. But it was always entertaining, especially on Dawson's Creek, I have to say. Yeah, they're very eloquent on Dawson's Creek. They are. All right. So Scream is basically about Sidney Prescott and this mysterious killer named Ghostface, who is going around town, killing lots of people, terrorizing them on the phone and then murdering them. And he's after Sidney. Yes. And we learn pretty quickly that he is also involved in the murder of her mother, which had happened a year prior. Mm hmm. Yeah, and this movie falls on the anniversary of her mother's death. It does. So it's definitely like a whodunit. It's also satirical. And what we heard was that this was the first movie to really take a look at itself and horror movies that had come before. Yeah, it like lampoons itself and the whole horror genre. And who better to do that than Wes Craven? Because the 90s definitely was a time where horror was, for lack of a better word, dead. Yeah. And this movie pretty much brought it back to life. It really did. I mean, it just, I think it surprised the industry with how much money it made. So much so that, of course, they immediately greenlit this sequel and it led to a whole bunch of basically scream knockoffs. Which are, you know, some of them are good, some of them aren't, but it definitely did breathe some life into a dead genre. One thing that I did not know until we started doing our research is that Kevin was inspired by the real life case of the Gainesville Ripper, which if you feel like looking it up and reading about it, go ahead. But I warn you that it's, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea either. And then I went and read the wiki on it and I was like, I wish I hadn't read that. Yeah. It's very disturbing. Mm hmm. So the cast, we have David Arquette as Dewey Riley. Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott. Hello, Sidney. Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers. And I just have to point out that this is the film where David Arquette and Courtney Cox met. And later on, you know, got married and had a kid. And now they're not together anymore. But I think they were together for a long time. They were. Matthew Lillard as Stu Mocker. Rose McGowan as Tatum Riley. Skeet Ulrich. As Billy Loomis. Jamie Kennedy as Randy Meeks. W. Earl Brown as Kenny Jones. Joseph Whipp as Sheriff Burke. Liv Schreiber as Cotton Weary. Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker. Roger L. Jackson as the voice of Ghostface. And what I love about that is that we learned that Wes decided not to let anyone in the cast ever meet Roger so that it truly did scare them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I like that. Even on like the documentary that we watched, he was blacked out. Very mysterious. Very. Henry Winkler, the Fonz himself, as Arthur Hembry. He was uncredited, which is odd. He was the principal. Yeah, they didn't want his name overshadowing like the new young actors that were in this movie. So I think he agreed to do that. And Lawrence Hecht as Neil Prescott. Oh, Sydney's dad. Sydney's dad, yeah. There were also a few cameos. You had Linda Blair (laughs) as a news reporter. And Wes Craven donned Freddy Krueger's original clothes to play the school janitor. And he has an encounter with Henry Winkler and he calls him Fred. Yeah. It's pretty funny. It is funny. And it's great that they went and pulled out like the actual Freddy costume for this. I know. It's that time. It's time for fun facts. 
So the party scene, that's like the last 42 minutes of the movie, was a very long shoot. Like it took 21 days for them to film. They would shoot from sundown to sunup, and it was grueling, according to the cast and crew. Like they made up their own t-shirts, because this was called scene 118, but it was like an endless scene 118. It was like <laughs> A, B, C, D, all the way down through. They made up t-shirts that said, I survived scene 118. And they jokingly called it the longest night in horror history. <laughs> I could see that because, yeah, so much of the movie takes place at that party. Yeah. So the high school scenes were supposed to be shot in Santa Rosa, at Santa Rosa High School in California. They had a beautiful school there. They were all pumped about the location. However, very close to the shooting date, the school board read the script and denied it because of its violent nature. I guess they were under the impression that it was meant to be a comedy. So they said no. And production was moved to Heldsburg, California. <laughs> what I love is that as a payback, Wes Craven put in the end credits... Under the special thanks, in all caps, no thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa City School District Governing Board. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky. Old Wes getting the last laugh. That had to be so stressful to have all your scenes mapped out, like where you're going to shoot in the school, you know, the logistics of all that. And then right at the last minute, having to change that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was not a good time. No. So Skeet Ulrich was cast as Billy Loomis, partly because of his resemblance to Johnny Depp. <laughs> who, yep. of course, had a significant role in A Nightmare on Elm Street. I like that. And I like in the documentary we watched, they showed a side by side of when Johnny goes into Nancy's bedroom in A Nightmare on Elm Street. And then you have Skeet going into Sydney's bedroom and scream. And just they look so much alike. It's so fun. So Molly Ringwald was actually offered the role of Sydney because Kevin Williamson was a big fan. But she turned it down, saying she'd rather not be playing a high school student at the age of 27. <laughs> but it's weird to think that she was only 27 at that time. But I guess that makes sense. 1996. Yeah. I love that, though. That would have been interesting to see her in a horror film. Yeah, in a, a mid to late 90s horror film. I mean, she probably could have pulled off a high school student. Most of the time, people that play high school students are in their 20s. Right. Sometimes 30. I mean, I'm glad they got Nev. I think she's iconic in this role. Me too. It is funny, too, because like we said, he is referred to as the John Hughes of horror, mm -hmm. you know, so <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I thought this was interesting. So Joaquin Phoenix turned down the role of Billy Loomis. Really? So imagine this movie with Molly Ringwald. And Joaquin. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> that is interesting. I love them both, but it's just in some weird alternate universe. I don't know if it would be as successful. I don't know either. Joaquin was a lot younger back then. Yeah. I, I can't remember what he was doing from a role standpoint. I can't picture him in anything in the mid-90s. I can, but I, I can't imagine him as Billy. He's a great actor, though. So, yeah. I mean, he could pull it off where I, you're like cute, but also kind of sinister. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like he could definitely have been even crazier than Skeet. Yeah. Also on the casting front, Freddie Prince Jr. auditioned for the role of Stu. Oh, that's funny since they were in Scooby-Doo together. Yeah. Then you also had Reese Witherspoon, Tori Spelling, Melissa Joan Hart, Brittany Murphy, Alicia Witt, Melanie Linsky, and Melinda Clark all auditioned for the role of Sidney Prescott. Wow. Everybody wanted in. They did. We saw that in the documentary, too. Like the casting director was like, everybody wanted in on this movie. Well, and it was, I think, especially once Drew's name was attached, because that's what drew in Wes Craven. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else was like, oh, Drew's doing it. I want to be a part of it. 
David Arquette and Matthew Lillard were both initially considered for the role of Billy before they eventually cast David as Dewey and Matthew as Stu, respectively. And Arquette was also considered for the role of Stu, which is so funny because I'm like, no, he's too old to be them. But they're probably all the same age. That's funny. They probably are. (laughs) But I liked it because David actually wanted to play Dewey. He felt like he could bring a sweetness to him that would make him lovable, which he is. He's basically, I think someone referred to him as the heart of the screen movies. And I feel like he is. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So this is kind of funny. The use of caller ID increased more than threefold after the release of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. It's a lot easier than star 69ing people. Seriously. Do you star 69 to see who's calling and star 67 to block anyone from seeing who you are? Is that how it worked? Let's see. The good old days. Yeah. Star 69 is last call return. So if you star 69, would it just call them or would it like read off their number to you? I cannot remember. I think it would redial it. Okay. Let me make sure. Star 69 refers to last call return. The calling feature vertical service code star 69 keyed on a landline telephone set in order to return the call of the last one to ring. Okay. And then star 67 blocked that from happening. Right. We definitely would use star 67 before any prank calls. Yeah, that's what I did at college, not thinking that they just had it all internal on the phone system. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely made our lives easier once you could just see that number pop up on your phone. You didn't have to follow up because maybe you don't want to talk to who's calling you. You know, like I wouldn't have wanted to call them back. I would just want to see who's calling. Yeah. Because then, you know, if you want to answer the phone or not. It's the best invention ever. It really is. Although you can still block your number. When my dad used to call me for the longest time, he had his number auto blocked outbound. But I'd know if it said blocked, it was my dad. (laughs) Here's a little moment of serendipity. So Matthew Lillard was just cast by chance because he was with his then girlfriend who was on an audition that was taking place in the same building, but it wasn't even for Scream. And the casting director just happened to see him across the hall. And she was like, you look like you'd be good for this role. Come over here and read this part. (laughs) And they loved him. He nailed it, obviously. It was funny to see him in the documentary critiquing his performance. He's like, I don't know why they let me get away with most of this. And all I'm doing is like yelling and spitting for the entire movie. And it's like, wow, I didn't notice how much you were spitting in this, but you really do. It's so great, though. I love his performance in this movie. Yeah. I just think it's so unique and It just kind of stands out and you really believe that he's just wacko. Yeah. And it's in a different way than Billy. Right. Like Billy's like sinister and Stu's just crazy. Well, and Billy is the one that is seeking vengeance and Stu just thought it'd be fun. He's along for the murder ride. (laughs) So originally the producers had intended to only use Roger Jackson's voice as a placeholder and they were going to dub it over with a different voice in post-production. But they thought that his voice and contributions were perfect and they left it in there. Wes Craven described it as an intelligent and evil voice. And of course, it became irreplaceable in the franchise. Absolutely. I can't imagine them using anything else. And I remember like the moment when Billy like shows Sydney that he's using that to change his voice. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. It's yeah, <laughs> not like, the same. I don't like that. Although, you know what I did notice in the one coming in January, I don't see him credited anywhere. Yeah, I wonder how that'll go. Mm -hmm. It could be that it's not going to be a character that's calling people, perhaps. That wouldn't feel like Scream, though. It sure wouldn't. 
Courtney Cox actually approached production about the role of Gail Weathers because she was really interested in playing the quote-unquote bitch character to offset her nice friend's role of Monica, which is why they didn't really want her for the role. Definitely typecast there. Um, But she just continued to lobby because she felt like she could do it, which she could. Yeah, she nailed it. I was thinking about this while we were watching. I'm like, you know, she really is a great actress because when I see her on there, I don't even think of Monica. Yeah, that's a great call. Like to me, those are two totally different people Mm -hmm. who look alike. You know, and of course, I'm thinking about the fact that like, oh, this must have been filmed in the summer when they were off from friends. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But like totally different characters. She did a good job. So Wes had seen Nev in Party of Five and asked her to audition for the part because he thought she could portray a character who was innocent, but who could also realistically handle herself while dealing with the physical conflict and emotions that were required by this role. He was right. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever wondered how much blood was used in this film? I have often wondered that. Well, I'm here to answer you. (laughs) It's 50 gallons. Of fake blood. That is a lot of blood. True. So Scream is the 20th highest grossing horror film and remains the highest grossing slasher genre film of all time. Oh. It's followed directly by Scream 2 and then Scream 3. Wow. So they crushed it. So Drew Barrymore insisted on shooting all of her scenes barefoot because it wasn't that long of a shoot. And she doesn't like wearing shoes. I found that to be so funny that she's just like, I'm not wearing shoes because I don't like shoes. I feel like it's authentic because she's just chilling at home. Most people take their shoes off when they're about to sit down and watch a movie, you know? Right. It's honestly more realistic. And maybe it would have been noticeable if she's just rolling around in her Nikes. Agreed. So good call, Drew. Drew knew. Okay. Favorite moments. So my number one favorite moment from Scream is where Randy is breaking down the rules of horror movies to the group at the party. She don't know the rules? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. (laughs) Big no-no! Big no-no! Sex equals death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. No, the sin factor. It's a sin. It's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. And I love how Stu so quickly asks him if he wants any beer. And he's like, yeah, I'll take one. And he's like, I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) It is so funny. Old Stu. My number two. That whole opening sequence with Drew Barrymore, it is maybe one of the best opening sequences in any movie ever, or at least any horror movie. I'd agree with that. And I feel it's the scariest moment in the whole movie as well. I think in the whole franchise, to be honest with you, this comes out of the gates so strongly. You're like, wow, what are we about to watch? And it's so fun because you're seeing someone that's so familiar In a role that you don't really know what it's going to be. And she's got this little bob with bangs and she's just lighthearted and talking on her phone about scary movies. And there are some, you know, fun throwbacks there because they're talking about Michael Myers and Jason and Freddie and all of that. So already you kind of just feel like, oh, I know who they are. I'm in the know. You know what I mean? And then it just takes a turn. It does. And she's on the poster. Yeah, she's on the poster. So nobody thought this was it for Drew Barrymore in the Scream movie. Absolutely. I was shocked. Yes, because it's like if they killed off Drew Barrymore, they could kill anyone. Yeah. So now you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. 
Nobody is safe. It was jarring and definitely one of the most memorable scenes of all time. Absolutely. And it's funny because we saw in the documentary where the production company did not like the dailies, did not like the footage that they were seeing. And so I think everybody thought maybe Wes was on thin ice with the production company. So he put together essentially this whole first scene and sent it over. And they were like, okay, we're back on board. Yeah. I also think it's funny because I didn't realize that Drew was initially supposed to play Sydney. Yeah. And then she came back and was like, no, I want to play Casey. That's so cool. I love it because, I mean, maybe it's that she didn't want to do a whole shoot, but I think it's because she thought that that was a really fun scene. Like she loved the script and she also thought it would be interesting because she knows she's the biggest name there. Right. And for her to get killed off right away, like I love that she loved that. Yeah. And number three, the whole thing at the end where Stu and Billy have revealed themselves to Sydney as the killers and she's watching on as they are stabbing each other. To make it look like they are also victims. And (laughs) it kind of drives me insane because I feel like during that part, she could have disappeared then Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't have noticed. But she waited. But, you know, Stu starts getting a little loopy because he's lost so much blood. Matthew Lillard is hilarious in this scene. I love when, like, the phone rings. Yeah, isn't it Sydney at that point? Oh, yeah, it was Sydney that called. Yeah. And he picks up the phone. And then doesn't he ask her on the phone, like, did you really call the cops? Oh, yeah. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, my mom and dad are I love his acting in that part. Like, it is so legit. Like, my mom and dad are so bad at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should have thought this through, Stu. <laughs> I love how they really just thought that there was no way they were getting caught. Yeah, they were sure they had this all figured out. All right, my moment. When Sydney punches Gail in the face right after Gail says, I'll send you a copy. I mean, right in the face. It's so great. (laughs) It's so good. It's such a memorable moment in that movie for me. I just love it. Like, I'll send you a copy. Boom. (laughs) Yep. And she deserves every second of that. She did. And you don't expect it. No. I love too when they're after that, when she and Tatum are in her bedroom and she's like reenacting it. Yeah. Love it. And second one, speaking of Tatum, Tatum's death scene in the garage, just from the time that she goes in there to grab those beers, that whole thing is so tense. And then, you know, she's collected all of those. She's trying to get back inside. The door's locked. And then all of a sudden, Ghostface is in there. She thinks it's a joke. She thinks it's, it's, does she think it's Stu? She thinks it's Stu or Randy. I think she might think it's Randy. (laughs) Yeah. And so then, you know, it starts to get a little bit more serious. But then this is one of my favorite parts of Scream is she beats the crap out of Ghostface. I love that Ghostface just takes a licking and kind of keeps on ticking. But I mean, she wails him in the nuts with a beer bottle and almost escapes. But that doggy door kill (laughs) is, I don't know, it's just so well done. And when you see her going up, you're just like, no, every time. It's like, please don't get get out. Just crawl through. (laughs) (laughs) And my third one, when Dewey tells Tatum. What did mama tell you? When I wear this badge, you treat me like a man of the law. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I'm sorry, Deputy Dewey boy, but we're ready to go. That is a funny interaction. It's so good to see like, you know, brother and sister banter right there. And like, Mm -hmm. he's a deputy, but she does not care. And it's like, he's had to tell his mom to tell her that she's got to treat him (laughs) like an officer of the law (laughs) when he's at work. 
Well, and he obviously already just doesn't get the respect that he deserves or wants, you know, and then it's just even worse when your sister's talking to you like that in front of your coworkers. Right. So good. So HMs, when they're in the video store, one of the reasons is because just seeing a video store is super nostalgic and fun to see. Right. And then Randy and Stu are having this conversation about who the suspects are and how Randy thinks it's Billy and Stu's trying to talk him out of that. And Randy's just really talking crap about Billy. Loudly. Loudly. And then we realize Billy's there and he can hear him. And so he approaches him. And for me, this is like the first time that you really see that look in Billy's eyes where you're starting to question if it is him or not. Yeah, he got a little crazy in there. Mm -hmm. All right, my HM. I love when Ghostface and Sydney are doing battle in Sydney's house. And once again, like Sydney gets some licks in. She like judo trips him and and I think she punches him or something like she beats him up a little bit. And then, of course, she runs up the stairs just like she said she shouldn't have. Right. But she couldn't get out the door because of the. Yeah, the lock was on the Mm -hmm. door. But then she smartly goes into her room and bars the door off with another door on the inside so he can't get in there. Yeah, because she knows and we see it earlier with her dad. that If she's got that closet door open, she knows that the main door will not open Mm -hmm. because that's what saved her from getting caught with Billy in her room at the beginning of the movie. Yep. So it's funny because I remember having that thought of like, we're going to see that. Again, that door situation. Yeah, I don't read ahead at all in movies, so I didn't know that we were going to see that again. But I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I forgot it did that. Yeah. I'm always reading ahead. And then up comes Billy back through the window right on time. Okay, this came out in 1996. So have you picked a song from 96? I have. This is difficult because 96 was like a good year for music. It was great. Yeah. But this is a song that I forget sometimes and a band that I loved so much. It's Champagne Supernova by Oasis. about that song a lot too i always think of wonderwall yeah but i don't think of this or i mean there's a lot of others but yeah like this album when i read through the track listing i'm like this has to be considered one of my favorite albums of all time it's forgotten but i love it i love almost every single song on that album that's a good one that's a good choice thanks i had a hard time choosing as well i think it's just like for me this was prime high school you know, angsty. I was really getting into a specific type of music. And this is a part of that. It's Sleep to Dream by Fiona Apple. The album title, which I love it from start to finish, came out in 96. So that's why I'm choosing it. The single was released in 97, Mm -hmm. but I knew the song in 96, so it counts. Ditto, because this is a CD that I owned as well. I think I got it from McKay's. (laughs) Which is a used bookstore, by the way. It is. It's like a used bookstore and CDs. You could get music and books from there. Yeah. So back in college, you know, I could get a CD for $3. And this is one that I had. I love that album. One of my faves. 
But what an iconic movie. I'm so glad we got to cover this one. Yeah, it's fun to talk about. It's one that I know that we'll always go back and watch, but it's just fun to really dig into it. And it was fun to research it. There were so many new things that I learned about the movie that I had no idea about. Yeah, same here. That's what I love about this podcast. Mm -hmm. Because it could be a movie you've watched a zillion times and you never knew that they kept the guy who voiced Ghostface away from everyone just to scare them. Yeah, and that they fired the director of cinematography right before the end of shooting because his footage was blurry, but like the DP said it wasn't blurry. There was all this drama on set, so it was cool to go and research and find all that out. We got all the hot goss. (laughs) All that sweet goss. (laughs) So be sure and stay tuned because we will also be covering its 1997 sequel, Scream 2. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at we don't want to grow up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcast and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there so if there is please do so those numbers do matter so if you could do that we would really appreciate it also you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers see you next time goodbye bye